on the days when I can feel myself struggling to pull away, you know, mentally or otherwise from my work or on the days where my, you know, morning has just been a fucking shit show and my kids have energetically drained me before I've even gone out the door. I have instituted the ability to create a fake commute where I, you know, drive around my town for an extra 10 to 15 minutes in order to have this transitory moment to decompress and, you know, shift gears and get to a different state by the time I get to where I'm supposed to be going, whether that is work or home. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Finding Fearless podcast. I'm your host, Madeline. And this week, I am talking about something that feels very timely, very relevant. I am going to be talking about work-life integration. I do not believe in work-life balance or work-life harmony, hence the word integration. And I am fucking feeling this topic this week because I am on the tail end of a 12-day hiatus, allegedly, from the business uh, where I traveled to Puerto Rico with my two kids and just felt like all the intensity of being burned out, making poor decisions because of said burnout, like thinking that going on a 10 plus day vacation with two children by myself would be a relaxing activity. And also, you know, the real reality of being an entrepreneur that wishes that she could step completely out of her business, but, you know, doesn't necessarily have the ability to do that completely just yet, especially when shit arises. And, you know, figuring out how exactly do I create a flow for myself that allows me to step in and out of all my different roles as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a mother, et cetera, with some semblance of grace. And grace being the key word, because if there is anything I have learned over these past three years of building my business, it is that if you do not give yourself grace, it is not going to fucking work. Because here's the thing, y'all. I know this is not the nicest thing to say, but most people do not give a fuck about founders. And I say that not to be harsh, but just to remind us all that because the world just sees us as the breadwinner and the one who makes shit happen and creates companies, we actually have to give the most fucks about ourselves. And, you know, I've recorded episodes in the past talking about self care, but really for me, creating systems and strategies to have integration between who I am in my work life and who I am in my personal life has been really about making sure that I am taking good enough care for myself so that I can continue to wake up every day and do the damn thing and then build the companies and be a part of my kids' lives and you know also not be just like a totally bifurcated human. I can't shut one side of who I am off. That's not the way I'm wired. You know, I can't you know, be in the middle of a work call and, you know, find out that my kid is is sick or something's going on at school and not be able to stop what I'm doing and attend to that. And I also, you know, don't just totally fucking shut my brain off when I get home. You know, I may have emails on my mind or something that happened that day that I haven't had the capacity to process fully because, you know, I've been in meetings all day and, and you know, the key to to finding some level of integration between those two sides of myself has been allowing for the grace and understanding that I am not two people. I'm not, you know, CEO, founder, Maddie, and, you know, mommy, Maddie, I am all of those things. And sometimes I'm all those things at once. And sometimes I'm really good at being with those things at the same time. And sometimes I fucking suck at it. 
But, you know, to get real honest, this trip that I took was a little bit of a shit show because I didn't know how to do that well. I have not traveled for 10 plus days with my two kids with, you know, still some work elements looming over me without anybody to really hand off the tiny humans when I need to step into that work mode. And I fucked it up. You know, I, I didn't really shut off when I should have been present. And then I didn't really handle the work things the way that I wanted to. And so I, you know, was looking at that and really reckoning with like, wait, how could I have done this better? Because I haven't always, you know, had that issue. I've traveled many times with my kids for work and that's such a privilege, right. To be able to like go to different places in the world and, you know, have that expense covered by, you know, the company or, you know, the client or, or, you know, whatever event that I'm traveling to or speaking at. And, you know, I love that. I love that ability to bring my kids along and show them the world. And also it requires a really delicate dance of being able to, you know, weave together, you know, different modes, you know, and, and one of the things that I didn't have this trip. And when I look back and go, wow, you know, this is what I would do differently is the ability to shift gears. And what I mean by that is creating intentional moments that allow you to decompress after an activity. So let me talk about what this looks like in my normal life or or not my normal life, but my day-to-day when I am not on the road. You know, I have struggled for a number of years to, you know, figure out how can I shut off, you know, or or just transition from work mode mom into mom mom and found, you know, that when I worked out of my house, you know, that was even harder. And so, you know, one of the first shifts that I made was putting a boundary in place between, you know, my workspace and my home space and and got an office, which was hugely wonderful for my mental health. And I know, you know, many people who work out of their homes and maybe have a ritual where they close the door to the office at the end of the day, and that's enough for them. But I was the kind of person who, you know, could feel that email or feel my, my laptop and, and feel the, the weight of the responsibility of work that, you know, was never done, was always more work and, you know, couldn't quite pull myself away and would end up working, you know, odd hours or late at night because the, you know, the laptop was literally there. And so, you know, one big transition was, was separating, you know, my workspace and my home space, but even that wasn't enough because my office is like three minutes away from my house. And so, you know, what I have done, and I learned this from, from a masterclass that Sarah Blakely had that really inspired me because she talked about how the best ideas that she always had was in her car. And I, you know, a couple years ago, no longer was the person responsible for picking up and dropping off my kids. And I realized that I had, you know, had as much as I resented doing that pick up and drop off, it had been this really important window for me to like, let go of my day, listen to some music or a podcast. And, you know, also in the morning, it was a great creative space for me to, you know, think through some stories of the work that I was either going to do that day or think through stories I was working on for my book and, you know, record things out loud to, to dig into my day in this transitory way. And so reflecting on this and, and hearing from Sarah Blakely, you know, talk about getting her best ideas in the car, it made me recognize that, like, I need to create a false commute for myself. And on the days when I can feel myself struggling to pull away, 
you know, mentally or otherwise from my work or on the days where my, you know, morning has just been a fucking shit show and my kids have energetically drained me before I've even gone out the door. I have instituted the ability to create a fake commute where I, you know, drive around my town for an extra 10 to 15 minutes in order to have this transitory moment to decompress and, you know, shift gears and get to a different state by the time I get to where I'm supposed to be going, whether that is work or home. So that's just like a small strategy that has made a really big difference in my life. And it was interesting because when I was on vacation, we're mostly staying with my grandfather and I was, you know, working at a desk there. And, you know, I could feel every time I came back to his place, like that pressure of like, oh my gosh, that email or like, how's the team doing? Or do I need to check Slack? But one of the days we went to a beautiful island off the coast of Puerto Rico, which is part of Puerto Rico called Vieques. And I felt as soon as I got on that ferry, this like, <sighs> like that deep breath in my body. And it was because I had left my laptop behind and only packed the essential items for the next 48 hours. And those 48 hours were the most blissful of the trip, the most present of the trip, the best in terms of getting along with my kiddos. Not to say that they weren't wild fucking animals the whole trip because they totally were. But it was like, oh, yeah, that's that thing that I need to do to create space between my work, you know, and myself. And it's got me wondering, like, oh, okay, in the same way that I you know, remove slack from my phone for my mental health, maybe in future vacations where I'm really supposed to shut off, you know, I need to leave the laptop at home so that I can't work. And, you know, that's something I wrestle with because I've always got work that I want to do. If I'm not, you know, working on the business, I want to be working on my book and, you know, my book lives on the laptop, yada, yada, yada. So it's something that I struggle with and attempt to justify, but it's something that I'm going to look at, you know, more closely as I start to plan travel in the future. And again, it's hard because I do a lot of travel that is work and play, you know, but I need to maybe be more diligent in setting my boundaries of how do I step away. Another idea I want to offer you from a work-life integration perspective is a lesson, again, that I have learned the harder way, which is really this, this important idea around, you know, determining whose job it is. Because when I built my company, I did all of the jobs. <laughs> I, I did, you know, probably the jobs of 10 people. And still today, you know, I primarily play, you know, the C-level roles in my company. So I play CEO, CRO, CMO, and CFO. That's a lot of hats to wear. I'm starting to pass them off and, you know, elevate leadership team members. But at least I'm down to four as opposed to maybe the 10 or 15 I was wearing when I started. And I have an amazing team of 12 to 15 humans that are responsible for a lot of the day-to-day operations and client work and things like that, that flow through my business. But, you know, one of the things that we need to do as leaders in order to be able to step out from the work is to delegate out accordingly what needs to be done while we're in the work and also while we're not in the work so that we can be able to participate at our highest level and also play with freedom and abandon, knowing that somebody else has it handled because it's literally their job to do. And this one's a hard one for us type A folks who typically correlate to the founder identity because, you know, we have this realization that we can do all those jobs pretty damn well and we might be the best at them or the fastest or, you know, it might just be easier. So we tell ourselves to do it on our own. But, 
you know, what I have come to really reckon with is this idea that the team should be able to get it to, you know, 70 or 80% on their first try. And then through coaching and mentorship and guidance, you know, over time, they should be able to take on, you know, 100% of the, the tasks, you know, align with their role. But one of the things that we can be doing better to find integration, but also separation between our work lives and our lives outside of our work is to really look closely at the work we're doing and determine, you know, what should we be doing and what should we be delegating? And if you've ever coached with me, you know that I have an exercise I love around this, which is like where you just take a a big piece of paper or a notebook, or I love a good legal pad for the situation. And you just, you know, do a list for about a solid week straight of all the shit you're doing regardless of whether or not it's really associated with your job. And then you draw a line at the end of the week and you write delegating on the other half of the paper and you draw arrows, you know, across to the other side of all the things that you're doing that you really should be delegating. And this exercise can be great to determining like, who do you need to be delegating to if you already have team members or if you don't have somebody who's responsible for those activities yet, you know, who do you need to hire or how do you need to shift somebody's role description so that you can have somebody else be responsible for the work that isn't your highest work or your highest worth in the world. So that's just another idea that I want to hand you. The last one I want to talk about today, though, is, you know, the hardest one for me. It's something I'm still really, really, you know, struggling with. I'm being totally honest. And it has to do with scarcity. Because when we are the founder, and particularly when you're the type of founder I am where you're also what I call, you know, the rainmaker. You know, you are the person who has built the relationships and the referrals and and you know the connections that create revenue for your company. It's really hard to step outside of that because there is, you know, the pressure of being the person responsible for cutting the paychecks and also being the person responsible for making sure that the revenue is there to pay said paychecks. And so for me, you know, it was always really hard to step outside of the business or, you know, shut off because I was always worried about revenue. And I still am on many days because growing a company as quickly as mine has, and also being responsible for the paychecks of 12 people is a big burden to fucking wear, especially during a global pandemic. But what I have been working on is how do I shift away from that scarcity into a mentality of abundance and really retrain my brain to believe that, you know, what I am doing is not brain surgery or rocket science, you know, that things can wait and that that scarcity paradigm is actually a product of a patriarchal culture and a capitalist economy that's taught me that my worth is my work. And if I so much as set it aside, you know, I'm not going to be able to earn, achieve, you know, do the things that I'm supposed to do at the pace I'm supposed to do. And therefore, you know, I'm fundamentally flawed or I'm going to fail. And that is some deep shit. That is some real wiring that takes a lot of work to undo. Thank you to my therapist for helping me continue to work on these things and find ways for me to show up in the world that aren't just about me performing and earning and achieving. But also, you know, it merits us to really look at ourselves and our business models and look at the ways that we've plugged ourselves to be at the very center of things like this and kind of trapped ourselves in our ability to step away because we're at the heart of of what keeps, you know, the engine running, the wheels turning, which ultimately in most of our businesses is money. And how can we put people or processes or systems in place to ensure that revenue is still going to come 
even if we step aside for an evening or a week or a day, depending on, you know, if we're going on vacation or if something with our lives come up. And I think that's one of the biggest unlocks you can make to scaling your business is determining new ways to achieve results in revenue without having to be the one responsible for driving it. And that's really where we step up in our work as founders to be more of the strategists and the visionaries for a company rather than you know, grinding it out on the sales cycle. And so that's something I'm really working on at Fearless Foundry. And it's ironic because, you know, I do so much sales training work with individual leaders, with large corporate companies. You know, I've developed sales pipeline processes for so many companies and I use all this sales training work, but it isn't really until now that I've started to put a business development team in place inside my company so that there are other people who are responsible for developing proposals and pitching to clients and converting customers over the line so that that revenue continues to be created regardless of if I'm here or not. And I've also been working really hard to put into place you know, products and systems in order to be able to sell things without even having to have a human involved. You know, If you don't know about the library, this is my little plug to check it out. This is a huge vault of all of the training and courses and materials I've created over the past five years. And it is completely positioned to sell all that work on its own without, you know, having to get a human involved in the transaction. And it's done in a way that's really affordable and accessible to early stage entrepreneurs. So we can serve anyone who wants to work with that educational content, not just somebody who can afford to become a retainer client of the Fearless Foundry. But all of that work takes time. You know, there's so much more I want to do in that arena. I'm going to be refilming a bunch of coursework that I've created over the past couple of years this summer so I can advance those offerings either, even further. And let's be honest, like the work is never done. But my challenge or my encouragement to you this week is to really wrestle with yourself and say, you know, where do I feel disconnect? Where do I feel bifurcated in myself? Where am I, you know, not a fully integrated person with a work self and a non-work self? And what can I be doing to bring those two sides of who I am closer together in a way that feels whole and harmonious and allows for integration rather than, you know, whatever the world believes balance looks like. So that's my invitation to all of you this week is to look at what that looks like. Learn from my mistakes, of course. And, you know, if this is an episode that resonates with you, please pass it on to somebody you know who could learn from this moment. And as always, I love to hear from y'all as well. So if there's something you want to share about your own journey to work-life integration, please shout that out. You know, go find us on social media, DM me, DM Fearless Foundry. And of course, if this is an episode that you adored, you know, beyond just sharing it, rate, subscribe, and review so that we can get this episode in the hands of other folks who need to hear it. All right, y'all, that's everything I've got this week. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to tune in and be a part of our Finding Fearless community. Until next time, I'm your host, Madeline, and you've been listening to the Finding Fearless podcast. You've been listening to another episode of the Finding Fearless podcast. It's hosted by me, Madeline Pratt, produced by Kimberly Fulmer, scheduled by Lauren Conti, and edited by the amazing Daniel Wynn. This has been a Fearless Foundry production. All audio is recorded and owned by Fearless Foundry.